Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode about diet culture. We wanted to provide a warning for today's episode that we will be talking about some sensitive topics such as dieting, eating disorders, and eating and exercise habits. Please do not hesitate to check out some of the links at the bottom of this episode description for some helpful resources. And if you need to skip this episode, don't worry about it. We're excited to catch you on the next one. Hi, I'm Rachna. I'm Natalie. And I'm Christy. And welcome to the Triage Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are going to be continuing our conversation on diet culture. We thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with Kristen in our last episode and thinks that she brought up a lot of important points about dieting fads, how they can be bad for you, but also reminds us it's okay to enjoy food while simultaneously getting in our nutrients that our body needs. We wanted to continue the conversation to talk about social media and its impact on diet culture. It's hard to quantify these industries, but I've looked up a few articles and it looks like it's in the billions, honestly. I found one article that said it was valued at about $71 billion a year. And of course, with such a big number, a lot of companies try to target consumers with ads, sponsorships, and eventually it starts to influence daily conversations around us. Yeah. And I think to start at the beginning, it's like who is who's profiting off of this? Who's making this money? So not only are these businesses, you know, profiting, like Rachel is saying, billions and billions of dollars, which I can't even wrap my head around $1 billion, let alone $71 billion. But who's on the other side of it? Like who's like what content creators, what celebrities are, are also getting a cut out of this. And I think that answer are um, thin and white people. Um, And there is such a bias um, because it's rooted in really essentially it's rooted in racism and Eurocentrism. And Eurocentrism is when um, things like European features are high are highlighted in maybe a magazine or um, advertisements or beauty standards or you know um, this is all just really examples, not really the definition of Eurocentrism, but um, it's when like Euro like European appearances are celebrated or rewarded or set as a standard for beauty, uh, leaving. Um, leading other appearances such as African uh, African features, uh, fe- uh, Asian features, Hispanic features, they're not as they're treated differently. They're treated they're treated not beautiful, quote unquote beautiful. So from there, you know that's where the profit the profiting comes in for folks who are in thin white bodies, and for people who don't fit into these standards, which. The people themselves who are benefiting also tend to not fit in either, and that's where things like Facetune and whatnot comes in. But for lack of a better, you know, before we get into the nuances of it, for those people who um, are excluding them from this conversation, it makes it difficult for other people to simply live life. Like things such as buying clothes, which is not easy at all, but say something as small as that, um, to experiencing discrimination at the doctor's office because people look at bodies and say, oh, because of your size, you're not Yeah, that's the cause of whatever healthcare. is happening. Yeah, instead of and actually running tests. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. That's like that implicit immediate bias. Yeah. Um, so it affects both mental and physical health. It's really interesting, especially uh, how you brought up the nuances that even exist for people who are profiting 
off of the system, even within those systems, it the layers get peeled back even more. Like I know I've indulged in content online and I even see that when these influencers are invited to uh, showrooms or are selected to receive samples from different uh, companies, a lot of those sample sizes and a lot of those showroom sizes are just in smalls. And if you're a creator who doesn't fit into that, then then you're out of luck. You're not going to be able to wear that brand's um, that brand's fashion or whatever it may be to an event or in your video. And so, it it it's just it, even if people at the top are experiencing that type of bias and that type of selectivity, then it, people who don't fit that mold, it's just how we're. Yeah, how how are we able to uh, ingest this content and not feel bad about ourselves if even they're experiencing that? And I think we have a lot of examples of how this is perpetuated online and one that all of us came into agreement and seeing all the time, and this has been done for years, is in what I eat in a day videos. And again, this is usually thin, white people um, and the aesthetic thumbnails, the aesthetic TikToks that make us want to look at this content. And it's tough because it's unavoidable, but also some really great recipes are in there. And so you want to look at this content and you, some people are actually chefs or, you know, have a hobby on the side. And so they make really great meals, but also now with sponsorships, as we discussed, it's a $71 billion industry. Most of these What I Eat in a Day videos now are mostly centered around different sponsorships that people have. So some of it isn't even really what people eat in a day. So have yeah. both of you looked at that content? Have you seen it? Um, and, you know, what do you, what do you think about it? Because it, I know that I have looked at a lot, <laughs> a lot of this content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, for me, I feel this guilt, and we're going to talk about guilt associated with food a little bit later. Um, But to tie into, you know, last week we had uh, Kristen Lawton on our podcast and uh, they're a registered dietitian and really just, they just gave us so many like wonderful, um, mind-blowing moments of breaking down diet culture. So definitely check out that episode. But something that Kristen was talking about is like, there's no good food. There's no bad food. Um, You know, food affects us all differently. And also food, at the end of the day, food is food and food fuels us. But these these videos are trying to tend to, I'll, I'll say subconsciously uh, to give folks the benefit of the doubt, but subconsciously perpetuate this thinness and this this uh, this health this health journey that people are on, which are definitely important. Like eating clean again, clean is another word that could be we can go on and on about this, but you know, eating quote unquote clean um, is something to definitely celebrate and talk about, but. Um, that will be all people eat in one day is like uh, super healthy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if you're not in a place financially, if you're not in a place mentally where you yourself can follow these, um, these eating, these eating habits. And then also too, sometimes people do these things where like they also, it's so strange. It sounds so strange if you've never watched a what I eat in the day video, but people will show their bodies as well, which I think is so jarring and like just, the, and it's it's like kind of implying like if you eat like this you'll you'll look like me and this is this is how I did it, um, 
which could be helpful for folks starting maybe a fitness journey and they want to eat a little more of proteins and fruits and vegetables and things like that. But it's very easy to just affect people heavily and affect people in the in a really uh, heavy way. Yeah, I feel like I'm especially looking at those videos of fitness influencers because I'm like, okay, they're showing off their muscles in their first, you know, picture in their video. And then I'm like, okay, so what are they eating to be able to look like that? And, you know, for some people, it's so much food. I'm just shocked. I'm like, wow, I need to be eating more. And then some people eat such a little food. And I mean, like Natalie was saying, like everyone can eat different food, but you can look different because it's just how our bodies work. It's how our genetics work. So I don't know. And also, if you think about celebrities, you have to realize a lot of the food that they're eating in a day isn't stuff that they're making on their own or choosing on their own. They have private chefs. They have people kind of catering to their meals. So it's not realistic for what they're eating. You see people on um, Instagram and stuff showing off their refrigerator, and it's literally like... I always think of the video of Khloe Kardashian with her fridge and it's all color coded. And I'm like, I don't even know how realistically you eat any of this food because it was like all fully stocked completely and it probably would bother her if something was out of order. But yeah, it's you have to think about how realistic what someone else is eating in a day could be for your diet. And you know, you might not be able to afford all of those different things. You might not be able to take all of those green shots or whatever those celebrities are taking but and that's okay you need to kind of cater your food choices to what works for your body and I think you also need to think about what are these people kind of gaining by promoting it Christy talked a little bit about this before but they're getting sponsorships they might be paid to do these things it might not be actually something that they are taking themselves. And I always think about those tummy teas that they advertise oh my gosh. on so social media. It's literally like diarrhea tea. Yeah, it's a diuretic, 100%. <laughs> like you're literally flushing out everything that's in your body to be taking those teas. So I, I find it very hard to believe that so many people are taking these things and they might be just being paid for it to sponsor it, but they might not actually be using these products. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think they would be because they would probably be too sick to film the advertisement <laughs> if they really actually use these, like the the amount that the company is recommending that you use products like this, which could be like a daily recommendation, like if they want to continue to profit and continue to sell more. Yeah. Which is it's, so scary. It's a really scary cycle. And this has been happening for years, right? Like in the 18th century, people were wearing corsets where they were breaking their ribs. And, you know, I'm sure there was another diet in the 80s that everyone would like, there's always something that's happening. Um, and when I, Rachna, when you brought up fitness influencers specifically, because I've really been down that path. And I think, you know, we've all three of us have talked about how we're really um, prioritizing our fitness and we really want to feel good and feel like we can go on our walks and and feel like, you know, we just want to feel good internally, mentally, physically. And so sometimes you get pushed that content. And I think back to a few years ago and even now that a huge trend, and it probably is still happening, I just kind of avoid that content if I can, is that a lot of these fitness influencers and a lot of them um, were women 
were saying, you know, oh, women need to be eating more carbs. And if you're just doing cardio, like you're not actually going to see um, results. And I just right now, and I think we all can agree there that we're not into judging how other people eat, how other people exercise, however you want to get moving, however you can get moving with the time that you have and, and the body you have. That's amazing. And if you love carbs, eat carbs. If you if you if that doesn't agree with you or you know you have different dietary needs, go for that. But I know there was a huge culture online of like cardio bunnies. I'm saying this in quotes because I know that that was like a term that like was kind of supposed to be a little insulting to yeah. people at the gym who were just on the treadmill or whatever. I but it's not cardio. just <laughs> on the treadmill. It's like People yeah. like to run. People like that and yeah. they feel good. And so the guilt surrounded that and the judgment, we just – we don't associate with and we don't believe in. Yeah. No, it's so true. Like it's, like I definitely have anxiety surrounded by going to the gym. And my anxiety is very interesting with it. It's actually not even about people being there or whatnot because I, I go to a tiny but crowded gym sometimes. It's more just like, oh, I really – it's like the fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know how yeah. to use these machines yeah. yet. Like, I don't know how to – I don't know how to lift weights yet. So on my own journey, which keeps starting over and over, thank you, COVID, um, I, the, the treadmill is something I can come back to because, you know, everybody knows how to walk on the treadmill. It, like, it's, you know, like it's something that is um, accessible to me as an able-bodied woman. So – that's something yeah. that I'm really going to want to take advantage of because yeah. it gets my body moving. Um, so there's that whole other um, mental health aspect to it, I think, as well, that people get ang- gym anxiety. And it's a very valid anxiety, whatever reason you may – if you experience it, you may experience it. But, you know, there's more to it than just, oh, I don't want to look toned. I don't want to look – I don't want to look bulky. I don't want to look that. I don't really think – you know, everyone thinks differently. Maybe people still do think like that. But then, like, that's also their, their preference for their own body. They're not judging people who – lift you know absolutely and there's not always guilt and judgment in just the fitness community but like we talked about in our last episode with Kristen um, and they gave such good advice as Natalie discussed there's also guilt that we feel growing up Um, and even I know in college for me that's when a lot of that started you know if I ate out or if I got something from well we all went to Rutgers we know like Rutgers takeout is infamous I would feel so guilty about it and like judge that I would eat it somewhere else. I wouldn't even eat it in my dorm room. I'd like go into this like I lived in the quads if anyone knows where that is. And there was a basement where you could just chill. Like I would do it there because I was alone. I didn't need to feel like people were watching what I was eating, what they were doing. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people Um, And hopefully, well, not hopefully, I don't want anyone to feel guilty about what they're eating, but hopefully me saying this, other people feel somewhat seen or heard because I haven't really talked about this with people and I haven't heard many people also feeling this way. Um, And I kind of feel strange about it sometimes because I haven't heard anyone say it. So if you've ever done that, unfortunately, I have too. It's not good that we do this, but sometimes that's what you have to do. But also when you're growing up at least, what I experience sometimes is you have to finish everything that's on your plate. And if you don't finish everything that's on your plate, you're not going to bed or like, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. whatever. It's also like Um, a punishment associated with it. I feel like it's just like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a South Asian thing. My parents just like keep piling more and more food onto my plate, even if I'm like, no, I'm done. Like, I don't want anything else. So it can go the other way. But I've Mm -hmm. also had those times where 
you know, I'm at Thanksgiving and I haven't seen some family members in a long time. And some random auntie is like, oh, well, it looks like you gained some weight. And I obviously immediately feel bad after that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's mm-hmm. a food holiday, right? Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I just, I feel super judged for what I'm eating. So I take less than I want onto my plate, even though I've been like, you know, preparing for this day all year. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's hard to feel that guilt, you know, with when food can bring happiness. Yeah. And it's also hard. We grew up in a country where the portions are very large and that's really yeah. fun sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? Like if that's something you enjoy, I enjoy it too. I just got takeout the other night and it was like the best thing ever. But, you know, you feel like you're forced to have to finish everything. You know, yeah, sometimes you don't places waste. don't even have boxes. And I know when I eat with my boyfriend, like he's always like, you can finish, right? And I'm like, just because I grew up where you had to finish everything, I'm like, eating myself sick because I'm like, no, I have to finish everything that's on my plate. Especially at restaurants too. I find that, especially lately, I'm on that, you know, med school student budget. So I'm like, (laughs) if I go out, you know, I, I, you know, I'm treating myself and I'm like, okay, there's still food on my plate. I have to finish the food because, you know, it's a waste if I don't finish it. And I feel like that's so drilled into our mind. But then there's, it's so weird that how there's that opposite spectrum where it's like, you're either eating too much food or you're not eating enough. And I think Sorry. to take a bit of a public health sidebar, it is interesting because food waste is an issue in the United States. However, that should not be put onto the individual to worry <laughs> yeah. about. It yeah. should be put on, I mean, so many grocery stores just throw out expired food um, that is expired just due to like, which of course expiration dates are important, but it's still edible food and it's food that could be given to um, the houseless population. It's food that could be given to, um, you know, hospitals and things like that. It's food that could be given to even low income people who have homes, um, but maybe um, are using things like SNAP and things like that. And maybe it could be an extra program, you know, don't have to like, I'm just spitballing here, but like, you know, don't have to divulge any information. It's just a free mm-hmm. community pickup spot where anybody can pick up food, even if it's, you know, a family, a huge family. And maybe the parents just don't have time to go grocery shopping that week because they have a lot of conflicting schedules. Like, there's so many things that the food could be used for, and it's just thrown away. And this is like thousands. I mean, we can get more specific information about this, but this is thousands, thousands of food. So I think your, your, both of your concerns are so valid, but at the same time, like, it's not worth making yourself sick about it because there's the capacity for institutional solutions that are just not being put into place. Mm -hmm. I think about a small thing and I was so happy someone shared this with me, but um, if we have any college students listening to us or anyone who's involved in different organizations um, that are open to the public, what we used to say, um, and of course, if you feel safe, because I know sometimes being in a public space and have inviting like anybody in online can get, you know, we live in a society where there's a lot of violence, unfortunately. So, but if you are in a space where you have, you know, people with you and it's not just you on your own, um, if you're having an, uh, an event with food, uh, like pizza or something like that comes in large quantities and you're inviting people into that space, like a college club or an organization, just posting. I mean, I don't know if, students use Facebook anymore, but posting like, hey, this event is happening. Like we would love for you to come out. Also free pizza will be there and not using it as just a way to, you know, we all had free food at our clubs to get people to join, but also um, students 
need food and some people are looking for that extra meal. So coming to your club event and having some extra food is always helpful, but also people of the community who can come in and hear about your club, but also maybe get something to eat. You're also reducing food waste, but also making community with people. So I know that was a tip that um, people shared with us at Rutgers when we were having club events, but I don't know what it's like now with COVID, but in the future, that's something definitely to think about. Students are definitely vulnerable populations mm-hmm. to food insecurity as well because this is the first time that some kids are on their own. Yeah. Uh, some some kids are, you know, um, getting uh, to are able to go to school with financial aid, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But uh, financial aid doesn't always cost uh, essential cover essential costs such as food, which sounds like a joke, but unfortunately it's true. Um, so you know, uh, things like too the Rutgers Food Pantry exists and mm-hmm. they are wonderful. They're so nice. I worked with them once and. All the volunteers there were students and they were so sweet and they have um, hygiene products, food, yep. things like that. It's so interesting that this conversation is being, you know, a little bit taking a little bit of a sidetrack into food insecurity, but I think it's all related, to be honest. Like, I think it really truly is how we view food. Um, there's so many different facets to how we view food um, and that that's definitely one of them as well. So also, too, in regards to, you know, we're talking about food affordability, um, but to steer our conversation a little bit back. Something that is um, something that I'm really excited to talk about with you guys is the frozen foods versus fresh foods debate. So frozen foods are an incredible option that are much more affordable sometimes. I mean, they sell these frozen foods in the dollar store. And while I'm sure not all dollar store food is safe, I don't want to say like go buy your food at the dollar store. I think, you know, reputable brand names, um, canned and frozen foods could definitely be amazing options to purchase at the dollar store because you're saving so much money there. Um and also as well, there's also a little bit of morality attached to which one you use. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys feel about that where frozen foods are kind of viewed as almost a cop out, I'll say. And, you know, fresh foods, you have to make things from scratch. Um, otherwise, it's not seen as a worthy, amazing meal. And there's already that like value assigned to it. So how do you both feel about that? Yeah, I definitely feel like when I am trying to cook something at home, I should buy the fresh vegetables or something like that, even if it's more expensive, which sometimes it is more expensive to buy fresh vegetables, which is, you know, sad in its own part. But um, yeah, I definitely feel more pressure to get more of the fresh foods. So it's like, oh, look at all this amazing stuff I made from scratch and it's so good. Let me post it on my story. Let me do all these different things. But it's like at the end of the day, a lot of this food ends up tasting the same. Maybe frozen food is a little like mushy a little bit sometimes when you make it, like some steamed vegetables or something. That frozen yolky from Yeah, the, the texture uh, is maybe a little bit different. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're still eating the food. You're still getting the nutrients. And yeah. it's better than, you know, going somewhere else, going out for fast food to still yeah. get like frozen vegetables and eat that. So Yeah. It's also hard as – um, like I live with roommates, but a lot of uh, we cook on our own usually, and it's it's really hard to shop for one person um, yeah. and make sure that everything isn't going bad. Like I really try to plan my meals out. Like okay, if I get four avocados, I'm using one for breakfast and one for blah blah blah. Like I don't need to run through that for all of you today. Again, we're not doing what I eat today. I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> but. It's really hard. And again, it comes with, like we were talking about, the guilt with food waste or the guilt with feeling judged by eating habits. But getting, like, I love using fresh. I usually don't make everything fresh. Sometimes I'll have, like, um, I'll use a lot of canned stuff. um, But I love to make my own hummus. But 
I'll use sometimes pre-made rice because I know I won't have the energy or the time to make bulk rice and that it's going to go bad. But I love fresh like cilantro. I think sometimes having that, if you have meals that you really want to add flavor to, but you feel like you can't get that at home without totally making something from scratch. I think sometimes just buying that one thing that you really like that elevates your food is so worth it. And you can buy that freeze dried or even um, I saw a hack where you, if you're afraid you're going to going to um, your like fresh herbs are going to go bad, you can actually freeze that too. So there are so many ways, but again, how is that different? How is me freezing my green beans that are going to go bad different than me buying frozen green beans at the store? There really is no difference. So yeah. it's all okay. Um, and I think also with COVID, this is another um, just how COVID impacted some people a lot and a lot of others, not so much. But I think the from scratch culture, like with the TikTok and making you know, sourdough at home. Sourdough like, yeah. bread. <laughs> the people who are working their nine to fives, like me online, and then after we're done, there's nothing else to do. Yeah, making sourdough from scratch is like super fun and super cool. And it's great that people experience that. But putting pressure on other people to do that, like you, Rachna, like working in the ED during COVID, like you're not going to want to come home and like make all of your bread from, or maybe you do, I don't want to put that on you, but you know, (laughs) not everyone has the time to like see their bread dough, like rise and all that stuff. So it's like, and some people are like, oh, you bought that like from the store. I don't know. There is like a lot of judgment that comes with like frozen versus fresh, but I think I eat a lot of frozen food and, or sometimes parts of my meal. Frozen section. So let me tell you, that's where it's at. So good. How much good food there. And like, it, let's say someone asks you to hang out or your plans change. Let's say some people have to travel for work or like people in med school or anyone who's a nurse or a doctor or anyone who has um, shifts that change or sometimes unexpectedly you have to go into work. Like frozen foods kind of save you a little bit because yeah. let's say you can't cook your avocado or you eat your avocados on time. Like if you're buying more frozen foods, then you've like then you have something either waiting for you or if you have to eat at the hospital or eat at work you have you're not wasting your food so I don't know I just I don't understand why I under I guess I understand why there's judgment from people but I think a lot of that comes from people who have the time to judge time is Um, such an invaluable resource (laughs) yeah time is that's what I think it really comes down to is time you know yeah like yeah that yeah Kind of bringing it back to everything that we were talking about before. Sorry, guys. We kind of went in a rabbit hole or went down a rabbit hole, rather. Um, I think that a lot of dieting and food culture is just surrounding body image and what our bodies should look like. And like Natalie was saying in the beginning, you know, there's that really thin, stereotyped, body that everyone is expected to have but then sometimes bodies change like the Kardashians became popular and then people were like oh I want to be slim thick and I want to look a certain way and I have to eat whatever the Kardashians are eating to look that way um what do you guys think about this yeah absolutely I mean firstly I think I want to acknowledge it's very interesting that the Kardashians became famous for appropriating uh, not only black culture and um, pop culture aspects, 
um, but also for appropriating black features, like like physical body features. So, of course, um, I do not have a place to speak on this. I'm not a black woman, but I do want to acknowledge that it is based in racism and it is um, based at the a black woman uh, at black women's expense. Um, so I think it's just something super important to keep in mind. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's the first thing that I think of when I think about this. And also, too, it's almost like the trend is phasing out because we're seeing women um, removing breast implants, which I also do think potentially could also be because there are some health issues associated mm-hmm. with breast implants. Yeah. Um, and that could be an entire different episode simply on <laughs> breast implants but um so that could be a reason for that but also it could be because of the trend and also the same Mm -hmm. thing with um women um changing their yeah almost what is it like d yeah reversal (laughs) reversing reversing uh brazilian butt lifts and things like that and yeah um almost like quote unquote going back to natural but black women are natural black women who Mm -hmm. look like that are not who look like that who look like themselves are natural um so it definitely is a lot of um, intersecting points that I think are conflicting with each other. Yeah, I think this article that we found um, from Vox wrapped it up perfectly and we'll link it, but it's called, the title of it is called The Danger of Treating Body Parts Like Fast Fashion. Um, and I know we actually do want to make an episode about fast fashion at some point. And I think we've touched on it a little bit here and there in our episodes. And this is by Aubrey Hirsch. But it wraps up that point perfectly. It's like there are quotes in it that say um, like fake ads that basically are not that fake because we honestly see it um, subliminally. But it says, you know, cleavage is out. Abs are in. Get the butt everyone wants. Um, And Aubrey goes on to say, you know, unlike belts or earrings, body parts aren't easily swapped out when like fashions Um, Like, oh, boobs are out this season. And then there's an image of someone like actually hanging up their boobs into their closet. But that's how it feels. And we all know through marketing that sex sells. And as we talked about these influencers that have these quote unquote perfect bodies, we feel the pressure to look like that because that's how we make money. That's how we're seen. If we want to be in relationships with people, whether it's friends or lovers, um, we think that we have to look like that in order to be successful in all of those ways. Um, And unfortunately, even with work sometimes, you are judged on how you look. Um, And so it is interesting to think about, like even hair, like straight hair's in and then curly hair's in and then eye color, like people change their eye colors and it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it affects mental mental and physical health. Yeah. And it affects your relationship with other people as well. Like not, like you know like all of like all of us it affects our relationships um it affects like you know how you hold yourself to a standard you know how you see yourself yeah yeah and you you have to keep in mind like a lot of these bodies aren't sustainable you have no idea what types of procedures because most people aren't Mm -hmm. open about that and that's their personal choice but you know you have no idea what procedures and everything people are getting to look like that so you can't hold your body up to a standard when you don't even know what people did yeah do you guys think that celebrities should be transparent about cosmetic procedures that they get or do you think that it's their choice and they should their privacy should be respected how do you both feel about that it's hard because 
you know, people do have a right to have their own private life, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, if they are kind of purporting these unrealistic body, you know, realities that people are trying to mimic and their fans are trying to mimic and it makes that much of a negative impact on their fans' self-esteem, I think they do have somewhat of a responsibility to own up to it or at least not lie if they're asked about it in an interview. I think a lot of times celebrities do lie in those interviews, unfortunately, so people are like automatically believe them, but it's like, come on, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's pretty obvious that something was done. So it's, it's kind of hard. I actually saw, um, and I would have to look it up and we can link it after too, but I think in the UK, I don't know if it's all of the UK, but it's somewhere in the UK, um, there may be a law about how influencers on Instagram, and it may be other platforms specifically too, they have to um, say if there's a filter or some sort of image manipulation on yeah. their photos. Um, and I think that's really important. And I know I've been trying to get off of like Reels and TikTok, but I know a recent trend, I think it's on Reels, is that there's this filter, um, and it's mostly just for your face, but it's so realistic that people like there's like a sound that goes along with it and I forget how it goes so I'm not really being that helpful to paint the picture for everyone right now but it basically is saying like this is not what I look like and then yeah. when I take this filter off I feel like absolute crap about myself because yeah. then I start to see all of my little lines and my yeah. uneven face and um it's tough but I also think um and I'm not part of these communities so I can't speak on it but a lot of procedures that people have are also um, gender affirming procedures too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's tough. And again, I can't yeah. speak on this community and um, that's really a whole other conversation. But um, making everyone say if they've gotten procedures is hard because also a lot of people's mental health honestly depend on feeling like their gender is affirmed through yeah. looking a certain way yeah. um, or looking away on how they feel on the inside. So it's tough. Um, yeah. So that is such an important point because it could actually even be dangerous Yep. Yeah. for people. Yep. To and people shouldn't ask them exactly. either. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that's their own I think it's different personal. when it's just like a someone like a Kardashian, like yeah. literally profiting off of like, we all know the Kylie Lips. clip of her saying she uses oh no I use two different lip liners like that is not okay (laughs) yeah and she finally opened up about it but then she came out with a line of lip products and then basically profited off of this procedure and essentially lied about it for a while so I think that's when it really is important to come clean about that because there's like a clear (laughs) a clear like tie-in with the profit of this thing <laughs> but you yeah. know again it's, yeah it's really all everything we're talking about today really is tied back to money and status yes so yeah tough. they're just afraid of the stigma that they'll receive if they do you know come clean about it or are honest about it which is also mm-hmm. like you shouldn't be judging people if they have something that they're insecure about and they want to fix it like you know yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I have no, um, and again, what I feel really doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I feel like with, um, I have no issue with folks getting cosmetic procedures. Yep. My, my concern is for young, young people, yeah. especially young women, um, and girl, like little girls, you mm-hmm. know, 
who look up to these people and think that their their faces naturally look like that or their yeah. bodies naturally yeah. look like that um and then strive for that standard and could do that through unhealthy ways mm-hmm. and it could just lead to a dark rabbit hole that ultimately again goes back and affects physical and mental health but I really liked the points that you both raised. I think they're both really, really important. So thank you for answering that question. And uh, Christy, something that you mentioned as well um, when you were talking about filters that um, that cover features such as different spot, you know, spots on the face or wrinkles or things like that. Also, it always slims my face, and it's so disrespectful. Like, excuse me. Yes, my round so, face is you know, not. I was good. literally going to say, so have good. some respect for people with round faces. Thank it's you very good. much. <laughs> so rude. Can yeah. it make me buy a gua sha? No, I'm kidding. I literally, no. I was talking to someone about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, God, I really. Yeah, like, yeah. But anyways, um, to go back to the the wrinkles part, aging in itself is a whole Ooh. different part about you know body body um neutrality and body um you know bodies moving through time and you know different different things becoming trendy and before we started this episode you know uh rachna was asking us like oh hey like what are we gonna talk about with aging like what 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 main topics do you want to hit on and for me like the main thing that i always think about and aging affects everybody um in different ways and you know people experiences ageism and different biases um because they're older and things like that or because you're younger as well but the thing that I always jump to in my brain is um in a movie or something like that you know men who have been successful actors for like a few decades I want to say um and their love interest in a film will be like I use this very loosely but like the hottest new woman in Hollywood who is like 20 years old and like you know freshly on the scene and like things like that and then like they'll have to like do like a really uncomfortable like kissing scene or something and it's just a power imbalance that's just continuously perpetuating and like I know everybody knows like the joke about like you know the graph I don't know if everyone here has seen that graph of Leonardo DiCaprio where like his mm-hmm. age increases but the the age of the women that he dates like stays the same like it's a power imbalance and it's mm-hmm. you know women are seen as more valuable when they look younger but guess what? They also have less power. And I don't think those yeah. two things are coincidence, in my opinion. I think that's exactly why that that value is placed upon um, young age. And then also, too, I mean, if you look up how much, I'm sure it's equally as billion, billions of dollars Ooh. of how much the anti-aging industry is. And some products, um, such as retinol and things like that, I'm sure that there are really important benefits in them. And even and it's sunscreen. Like, oh, yeah. 100% sunscreen. Yeah. But the number one thing I always see is, like, prevents aging. Mm-hmm. For sunscreen. Sunscreen yeah. is, like, you know, an anti-cancer um, amazing <laughs> invention. Um, and the number one thing I'll see is, like, well, do you want not want to not get wrinkles? Then the number one product I use is sunscreen. Um, which, hey, honestly, if it gets people to use sunscreen, I'm not going to say I'm completely <laughs> against that. But I don't want yeah. people to feel guilty for getting older because it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And even that – is tied back to diet culture as well, um, like specifically what people consume because I know there are all these videos, like the Vogue videos. I don't know if you both have seen them, but it's like beauty tips from people. And it for a while, it was just younger people, like people our age, like the big stars 
of now are, you know, quote unquote stars. I think there are a few key people missing, but they go on camera and it's like they're getting either ready for the day or they're um, taking their makeup off and getting ready to sleep. And of course, they all have like 30 different products or most of them have like 30 different products. And yes, there are sponsorships sprinkled throughout a lot of them. Um, But they finally have started um, showing celebrities who are older, like uh, Marisa Tomei, um, Brooke Shields, um, and a few other folks. And it's been really great to see them. Like, and a lot of them have either gotten minimal surgery or, you know, have been letting their like gray hairs grow out um, or, you know, have never gotten surgery. And they really just show how they do their makeup on their older skin um, or their lived in skin. And they share a lot of the wisdom that has come throughout their life. Like Brooke Shields was a model, like I think since she's like 12 or something and she's like in in her 50s, maybe her 60s now. So think about, like you said, Natalie, all of the wisdom and the power that comes with being older. And, you know, women that age or anyone that age are still excited about makeup and hair and feeling good about themselves internally and externally. And it's just honestly, those have been like life-changing videos to see because it's like, wow, these women are so beautiful inside and out but they're not hiding the fact that they're older. And again, it's okay if you want to um, get Botox or do other procedures if you really, again, like you said, aging affects people differently. But just to see that, um, and even Brooke Shields is in a um, like holiday rom-com and it's nice to see like older people also in love as well because all yeah. rom-coms are all like people our age and it's yeah. like, wow, life sucks after you're 25. <laughs> um, but also a lot of celebrities on the flip side are in their 50s or 60s and look like they're 30, which, you know, some people really do look like that. Ralph Macchio, I'm looking at you. He looks, he's 60 and still looks like he's in the Karate Kid anyway. But a lot of these celebrities are saying that they consume this and that, and that's the reason why they look so young. And honestly, some of them may, may have that. I know there's a place in Italy where it has like the most amount of centenarians. I think that's the right term. Um, The most people who are over a hundred and they all have pasta and beautiful sauce and they're all walking everywhere. And that's amazing. So I I do believe, you know, for some people, they believe that what they consume is helping them age. But a lot of these celebrities have, again, like we said, they have facialists, they have people to cook their meals. They have all of this help. They have people to do their hair and they make up and their makeup every day. But then they're telling us that the reason they look young is because they consume special drinks and special foods um, which is tough for people our age to see. And I'm sure people who are our parents' age or any our teacher's age or whatever it is to see that. And like, again, we don't have the time for that. Um, and we don't have the resources to do that. Um, so I don't know. Again, I think it goes along with the people not uh, telling us what really goes into how they look. But I think there's so much pressure to like, um, part of why we put this in is that there was an image of Nicole Kidman recently with like six pack abs and all this stuff like looks amazing. And like I hope she feels good on the inside too. And that like, there's not pressure to look like that, but also like a lot of the comments <laughs> people make, like people have been making comments about Beyonce, like, wow, she looks amazing for 40 or whatever it is. It's like, that is Beyonce. Like she looks amazing no matter what. And also 40 year old women are beautiful. 50 year old yes. women are beautiful or anybody at the, those ages are beautiful. Like, why are we always like, wow, that person looks amazing for 30. It's like 30 so young. Like, what is happening? 
Like, no, it's so true. Especially as we all are approaching, like, just for context for listeners too, like, we're all approaching like 30 within, like, I'd say, like, four to five years. Yes. Um, you know, and it's not a crazy thing. Wrinkle, <laughs> Me, too. Me too. I'm graying. I'm full I was gray. just like, should I get Botox? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But it's oh, all, yeah. like it's so nice to see representation, though, and I think this all like ties back to representation matters. You want to be able to see people who are of all ages look beautiful and feel beautiful, of all colors, of all ethnicities, of all types of diets. You don't need to like if you're eating healthy, quote unquote, and you know giving your body the proper nutrients. You don't have to be necessarily looking like a stick thin person, and it's fine. Like, as long as you feel like you are healthy and fueling yourself the way that you need to fuel yourself, then you're good and you're okay. Yeah. Like, fat phobia freaking sucks. Like, mm-hmm. fat people are valid. Fat people are healthy. Fat people are active. Like, so much of it is genetics. Um, and I think TikTok has a really great community about body neutrality and body acceptance and um, – giving uh mid-sized and bigger bodies a platform to have have a visual platform to be like this is me existing and like my everyday self and this is you know and honestly I like those what I eat in the days because mm-hmm. um it's saying that this is just me like this is this is my life and I eat healthy yeah. guess what I eat healthy every single day and this is me yeah I think it's I think it's really powerful and I think it's never really been done before um because of fat phobia and because of racism and because of um you know eurocentrism being prioritized in the media so those are some things i think that tiktok could be good for i think out of every mm-hmm. um every every you know bad thing i think a good thing could also come from it so it's something I agree. I think is also something to highlight too one last thing i just wanted to say about that is like like seeing images i i know and i and i think they very much deserve the press that they got for this, but I even just bought a few new sports bras on Aerie because I realized like all of my sports bras are from like 10, 15 years ago and are starting to, they're starting to really let me down. Uh, let me just say that. I <laughs> went on Aerie and there were people with like textured skin with um, different like you know, our skin is not supposed to be like this, look the same on every part of our body. Like our skin and our bodies go through so much. Our skin is our biggest organ in our body. Um, And I just saw not even just images of different types of bodies and everything, like even just like up to like what people's backs look like or what their legs look like and the different textures and different ways are how our bodies move. They look differently when we move or stand still. And I just really like that is was just amazing to see um and I don't know I love Aerie this is not an ad I wish um but it's just <laughs> no, like Aerie's another at that. thing that just really touched me and this was like just yesterday where I was like wow like it's okay if I have some pimples on my back like that's normal like yeah oh my god I have definitely. long hair like you know whatever anyway yeah no it's so true with that Christy I think I'm gonna go do a little airy haul and um, spend a million dollars there because I think that's where I spend all my money. But seriously, uh, we thank everybody for joining us today on this, this conversation. It's, it's a hard conversation, but what, what we really feel about it is that how to move forward through this and how to move towards body neutrality and towards um, racial equity and equality and, you know, fighting colorism and Eurocentrism is 
having conversations like this and breaking down what lies at the root of this, but then also moving forward. And also, too, we're going to also include some really important resources in the description. Um, and stay tuned. If you liked this episode, let us know on our triage, on our uh, Instagram at the triage. And we would love to have more conversations about this and about other difficult topics. And also, as always, if there's something that you feel like that we didn't handle the right way, let us know because we're always open to feedback. And we really thank you for uh, sticking with us through this episode and uh, let us know what you think. Thank you so much.